one custom car care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin and a special guest today. Miss Sarah, how are you this morning? I'm well. How are you? Good. I'm going to introduce our special guest here in just a moment, but I have a soapbox rant that I Uh need to get out uh, of my system before we bring our special guest in here. So I've been running our, uh, I've been spending more time at the service counter taking phone calls and Mm -hmm. helping train some new folks in there. And I had a call the other day and I'd like to get your take on that. Okay. We had a gentleman, very nice fella, call and say, hey. Uh, something about O2 sensors. I want a price. I've had them diagnosed already. So I was like, okay, uh, so why do you think so? Well, I pulled the code at the big box parts store and I want O2 sensors put in there. And I know I talk about this a lot, but what is your perception of what actually diagnosing a problem is? Do you have a, a I thought mean, on I that? think that if you're going to diagnose a problem, you actually have to get in there and see the problem for yourself. So do you think that there's like this magic eight ball that, the car tells us what's wrong with it. Cause I think that's the perception out there and I'm not trying to be like difficult or facetious, but I wish it was that easy that, you know, this app on your phone or whatever told you what the problem is. But the best way I can explain it is when you go into Walmart and you sit down in the high, uh, in the little blood pressure machine. Have you ever done that? Mm-hmm. I did that all the time as a kid. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> If you have high blood pressure, you don't just go taking pills off the counter trying to fix your high blood pressure. You've got to figure out why you've got high blood pressure. That's the difference of what we do at our facilities is we do a lot of testing and diagnosis. And I want to get that out there to people that, you know, the parts stores are in the business of selling parts. They're not in the business of figuring out what part is broken. And they will actually be much more profitable the more you guess at what's going on with the car than if you just fix the one part that's bad or the two parts or three parts. Is that too much to ask? No. You think I'm way out on left field? No, I don't think so. I just, the perception is out there and I, I thought it was important to talk about. So I think we need to talk to our special guest. Mr. Oliver, how are you this morning? Doing well. How are you? Good. Anytime we have a guest, I always kind of start them out the same. You've probably heard the show a time or two. I think it's important for people to know kind of who you are, where you come from, what it is you do, and then we'll kind of dive into the meat and potatoes of the show. So what's kind of your background and where do you come from? Well, my background is construction, and um, I I was born in Springfield, Missouri. I've lived here all my life. Nice. Um, It's a good place to live. It really is. It it is. I believe so, too. Uh, You know, it's the crime rate's getting a little bit bigger, but I don't really see that much of it. It's... uh, it's still a good place to live, I believe. Absolutely. Now, forgive me if I've got this wrong. Your, I guess your specialty is, is you're a cabinet maker by trade. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. I've done that most of my life. So do you enjoy that? I do, yeah. It, it makes a difference. And, you know, as, as I've got or we have young kids growing up in the household, you know, really trying to, you know, most people that I run into in life, they don't do something that they enjoy. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like they feel like it's kind of weird if you do something that you, you know, it's your chosen profession, if you will. So um, and, and I realize not everybody gets to, you know, be an astronaut or whatever the sure. the the, uh, you know, the chosen profession of the week is. But I think it's very important to find something that you get some enjoyment or some satisfaction out of. And the reason I mainly bring this up and, and Sarah and I have done several shows on some of the 
generational changes, you know, as the baby boomers kind of go out and generation X and Z and millennials, et cetera. Um, do you see a difference now that you're in the workforce and, and essentially you're, uh, you know, the majority of the workforce at this point in time, as far as your generation, do you see any difference with the younger generation coming through? How's that working? So my perspective on that is probably a little different. Um, I've never been a supervisor, a leader mm-hmm. of, of anything in, until about three years ago. And the younger generation I found is complained about, mm-hmm. but I don't find that to be the, the case. Yeah. That they're not, <clears throat> they're not, um, they're not lazy. Right. They they try to work smarter, not harder, yes. which is, you know. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Microworks was <laughs> the one that co- coined that phrase. I've got the uh, the poster in my garage or my shop, yeah. and I look at it, and this guy wearing a, you know, a college edu- or college gown or whatever, and mm-hmm. he's got a book in his hand, and he looks sad because, you know, he went to college, and he learned all this stuff, but he has no working knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. But um, some, of the, some of the younger staff that I have – went to college yeah. and they know how to work hard. So they've got the best of both worlds and I, I don't have any complaints about it. Well, and there's really no replacement for the work ethic out there. I mean, there's no amount in my experience of schooling. I do like to do things, you know, smarter instead of fighting it to death and being frustrated and everybody around you being, being frustrated, but you still got to work. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Showing up's well more than half of the grade, in my opinion. Well, you got to put intent into whatever it is you're doing. Yes. That intent is so important. It's a good point. Um, I mean, whether it's taking out the trash at your house, I mean, sure, there's only one way to do that, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, p- tying the bag, putting it out, you know, walking it to the street, take it, take a path of least resistance yeah. so you don't put lines in your grass if you're, you know, I mean, there, there's always a better way to do whatever uh-huh. it is you're doing. And you put intent into every little job, before long, you're going to... You're going to enjoy what you do because mm-hmm. you're learning, you're you're experiencing new ways to do things, and, and that intent goes a long ways, I think. Even the failures, you know, I, I, I can't tell you. You know, a lot of times, at least in my role, you know, folks are, are bringing me problems. I like to say I'm in the problem business. You know, I very seldom do they call and be like, hey, I got this super easy job. Dustin, come in and help me and, and do this for me or whatever. It's, hey, this went off the rails, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I've had to somewhat, I guess, condition or grow into that a little bit that, you know, if something doesn't work out, I'm not going to, like, let it ruin my day or have this, you know, pity party and, oh, you know, put it on Facebook or social media or whatever. I don't have time for that. A, that was an experience, and I learned, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. And if I do do it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, you've done learn this lesson once already. Let's not do it over and over and expect a different result. So I've had a, a very similar, you know, Sarah is a, a great example of that, that, you know, the the younger generation that gets a lot of the haters, if you will, um, there are some shining bright stars of people that are really. Am I one of those? Yes, oh, absolutely. Thank you. you know, <laughs> I have I have had different producers and, and people part of the show, um, and I didn't realize that they weren't doing their job <laughs> until Sarah came on board and she's like running this place and getting everything happening. I'm like, oh, that's how the job's supposed to work. <laughs> you know, there was no intent before. You know, they were making decisions after hours and, and whatnot that were affecting their job here versus Sarah comes in with intent. She's got, you know, a list of things we're going to talk about today. There's clear goals and a direction of where we're going. We're not just, you know, that 
chopping bag in the breeze in the parking lot, you know, getting blown all over. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. But, it does. Uh, well, Dustin, uh, this is going to get really confusing. It is. Really quick. Well, the reason why I brought you on today is because out of the ton of job duties that you have, one of the things that you specifically do is you work with your fleet maintenance vehicles. And that's kind of what the, the show topic is mm-hmm. going to be about today is fleet vehicles. Now, I know that we have kind of briefly touched on fleet vehicles and fleet maintenance in the past, but we've never done like a full show sure. on it. So that's exactly awesome. what I wanted to do today. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, Mr. Oliver, how is your how big a fleet do you have that you manage? I've got an ever-growing fleet, mm-hmm. uh, and then some of my manage that is that don't even belong to the department I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we've brought a lot of those to you, yeah. and you guys have done some some repowers and yes. you know some some interesting weird things that probably don't come through your shop very often. <laughs> no, there has been some learning going on, you know, with air suspension systems that are aftermarket, they're not factory. Um and yeah, some you have some very specialized pieces of equipment, I guess that yes. you know, and and that at least in the part of my career that I'm at now, I've done a hundred million brake jobs and ball joints, and so I really enjoy and I appreciate the fact that you allow us to get into some of that stuff because, you know, I've done all the other stuff forever. This is that puzzle for me that, okay, how does this work? You know, what do we want it to do? What is it capable of doing? And how do we get it to do what it is you guys need it to do? So, no, that's been a, a very, very cool thing. Are we the only one that services some of your, your – because uh, you're not just taking care of vehicles. You have – off-road equipment and small engines and whatnot. No, you, you guys don't take care of the small engine stuff. Um, we've got some gators that go to a different place. Mm-hmm. And um, all, all of our vehicles, though, that, you know, on the road, you know, Excellent. MoDOT watched vehicles, basically. Have you found good service providers through this through all of the fleet of stuff? Has that been, you know, finding the guy or the gal that, hey, they take care of this and they do this, send it over there, and they will kind of garner or, or, or take over that problem? Sure, yeah. Um, we, we've got some uh, different vendors that take care of us. and Excellent. If, if, we, uh, if we need to go out and reach out to, you know, other locations, sometimes mm-hmm. that's not possible, but sometimes we're stuck with the vendors, like, like the cable company, you know. Yeah. We're stuck with the with the cable company we got. And <laughs> they got a monopoly. This is obviously 30 years ago, you know, but <laughs> sure. before all this new technology. Yeah. But, yeah, um, for for the most part, I'm really happy with Good. with everybody that takes care of our stuff. So you've met Lois that owns our company, I assume. I have, yep. So she has been my mentor for years and years and years, and she has always been a big proponent of finding that person. You know, if it's a roofer, a plumber, if it's a whatever, they're your people for that. So it's really, really important to... Hey, have great communication and good understanding. But Ms. Sarah's signaling we need to take into a break. We're going to pick up our fleet discussion right after this. The Complete Car Care Solution. Anyone custom car care. Welcome back. We've got a special guest, Mr. Dustin Oliver. You have a pretty ever-growing fleet, as you kind of uh, alluded to earlier. What's been kind of some of the biggest learning curve or challenges that go along with that? It's not something everybody deals with is, you know, vehicle or multiple vehicles or multiple pieces of power equipment and the variable about other people running those pieces of equipment. Yeah. So you got all different <laughs> aspects of life of people that drive the, 
just drive the wheels mm-hmm. off of them. Some people, you know, they'll pull up to a pull up somewhere before it's in, you know, stop rolling. They'll throw it in park. Oh. It's it's you know. But how do you how do you unlearn that out of somebody, or how do you teach that? You know that the ownership part. The ownership, yeah, yeah, because you know they're not doing that to their own vehicle. They might be. Well, or if they do, at least the consequences are saddled on them. At this point, they're just like, oh, yeah, Dustin, this is broke. <laughs> yeah, hey, you've come fix it, or hey, th- this thing ain't doing what yeah. it's supposed to. I can't believe it. I can't yeah. believe it's broke. I don't understand it. <laughs> do you guys have a log or a report that you do for your drivers? Ooh, good question. No, I don't. We've, we've just got, you know, basically each driver owners, you know, takes ownership of a certain vehicle, and um, we've got multiple shifts, so multiple vehicles are oh. in different people's. Gotcha. Uh, yep. It's probably difficult to hold accountability on some of that stuff, I would imagine. Which is why I don't overlook it, but I just don't get caught in the weeds. Mm -hmm. I take it to you guys, and I say, hey, look the whole thing over. Mm -hmm. Tell me everything that's wrong with it. Like, you do that anyway, but Mm -hmm. I mean... That's what I'm asking of you whenever we first uh, started this relationship and said, you know, I don't have the time to uh, mobilize this thing to your shop mm-hmm. multiple times a year. Yeah. I'd like to get in, oil change, look the whole thing over. Um, I mean, if it's got an indicator light out, let's mm-hmm. go ahead and change it. Yes. Because I don't want to, you know, be back in two months when I could have been back in however long it takes mm-hmm. for the next oil change. Well, and, you know, I know behind the scenes you and I get to talk on a fairly regular basis, but a lot of times I want to say that I'm behind the scenes, but your trucks are coming in or your pieces of equipment are coming in and I'm dealing with the technician because I understand what it is you're after on this, that, hey, you know, this is going on. Specifically, I can remember, I think it was one of your F-250s. I knew you guys were going to be kind of using it for some heavier work. We had some tire situation and we upgraded the tires while we're on there. You needed tires. Mm-hmm. But, you know, behind the scenes, I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, Dustin and I have had this discussion. I know what he's going to be asking of this piece of equipment. We need to get him taken care of while it's here because when he mobilizes that, it's got to go to work. It cannot, you know, I cannot have, to the best of our ability, I wish I could tell you I had a Magic 8-Ball that, that was functional, I guess. Right. But to the best of our ability, I want it to, when you tap the keys or you send your guys out there to go out there, that it's going to perform to the way it needs to because you have an expectation on your team and your staff to take care of business. Sure. So is there like a monthly or like yearly maintenance checklist that you guys do for fleet? <clears throat> and is that different than a personal vehicle? So a lot of it overlaps. Okay. A lot of the basic stuff overlaps. Now with the fleet, part of it's going to be for what you're, you know, intending it for. Right. Like you guys are working your stuff pretty, pretty good most of the time. Some of our other fleets, um, they'll do like deliveries. We have some med delivery folks. They're really not tasked too hard. So I don't need to worry about the load capacity of the tires, you know, some of the different fluid intervals I'm going to push up on on a vehicle that's worked um, more strenuously than I will one that's just driven to, you know, running down the highway, basically. So most of it overlaps. The biggest thing is that we condense a lot of the service intervals on that because that's the biggest reason people have breakdowns. You know, I very seldom take something apart that has really good cared fluid. And when I do have one that's been cared for, typically they don't break. 
you know, I'm not putting in a lot of transmissions for people that have serviced them on a regular basis or transfer cases, rear differentials, brake systems. So, you know, when I get up here and I talk to you guys about, you know, my personal vehicles having three, four, I think my biggest ones, my excursion's got 440,000 on it. And we get in it and head to St. Louis at the drop of a hat, and I know it's going to do what I want. That thing has been meticulously maintained, so it is possible. Does that answer? Or did it I? does. Okay. And now I have another question okay, for bring you. It. So, for fleet maintenance vehicles, uh-huh. what is the most common repair that needs to be done? Oftentimes, so in my experience, typically the fleets are not kept tabs on very well. They're sending them out with drivers and I'm just broad spectruming this as far as my experience, and the drivers don't speak up until something catastrophic happens. You know, I have them coming in that are four or 500,000 miles past the standard oil change intervals, and they should have seen me two or three months ago, but now the brakes are grinding, the front end's falling apart, they got two tires, they've been putting air in every morning for the last month, and they've run them low and ruined it. And then when I have the discussion with the fleet manager, it's like, hey, you know, this is a pretty significant expense. That's not very easily understood or palated from the, the fleet side. Would would you say that's accurate? I would say it's accurate for other fleets. I would because yes. my my team really does show intent when it comes to yes. uh hey, this thing is not sounding right. Mm-hmm. Or we had that uh, F-150 in mm-hmm. that was dieseling, basically. Yes. It sounded like it was a diesel, and it was it's definitely not. Right. Um, and it did it intermittently. So we had to bring it to you guys, and um, I'm probably guessing Harlan. I would assume Harlan took Was taking care of, care of it and, you know, decided that probably needed a higher octane fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't call for it. You know, it, it, it regular fuel was what it needed, but... We decided that it was probably better to run it on a higher octane, mm-hmm. and, it, and it runs fine now. It doesn't do the, that yeah. anymore. So um, if that intent from my team mm-hmm. was passed on to you with a, a good description of how, when, and why, and, mm-hmm. the, and the sound, and even had a video for yeah. you guys. So all that goes to to say that, you know, if, you, if you're drivers of these fleet vehicles, you know, listen to it like it's your own vehicle, and then... You won't be out your vehicle because there's nothing. That, that's what I think the reason why they do it is because they know if if they send it in for a problem, uh-huh. then it's going to be quicker back. If yeah. it breaks and they really have to spend some time yeah. on it, they're going to be out their personal, not personal, but you yeah. know, personal vehicle for quite some time. So I'm gonna, I guess, make a little bit of an observation or a statement. If you think I'm full of crap, tell me. Oh, for I sure. I, and I, I would expect nothing less. So I have this philosophy, and I try and live up to it personally, but a business or a department is a reflection of the person running it. And part of the reason that I feel like the relationship has been so great and why we've been able to service your vehicles the way that we have is I feel like it's very like-minded. The details are very important to me, so the guys, they're very important to the guys, as well as it's a reflection of you as well. You want your stuff taken care of. You want it fixed. You want it to perform when you need it to perform. So therefore, your guys, you know, if you were just like, eh, whatever, it's broke, blah, 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 that's the persona or the idea that they would take from it. And sometimes that takes time to groom that, and it Absolutely. doesn't happen overnight by far. So, you know, we're not a fleet service center for everybody out there. If you want to only bring it to me when it's catastrophically torn up, 
yeah, I can fix it, but it's going to frustrate me. It's going to frustrate the guys. It's going to frustrate the person managing that fleet because our philosophy is, hey, let's take care of it before it breaks. You know, I get it. Things are going to break. I've I've made that statement a hundred times. Even my personal vehicles, they've left me stuck at different points in my life. It happens. I'd love to get up here and say I'm perfect and, you know, I can see it coming a mile away, but sometimes it doesn't. And right. so... In, in the instances, I feel like the reason that, you know, the fleet management side of it has worked for you guys, where maybe it wouldn't for somebody else, is because we want good vehicles. <laughs> we want them to work. We yeah. don't want to have them break down and leave our guys or gals stranded or whoever it is. You know, I take that very personally, um, you know, for anybody that's in our family as far as, like, you know, people we take care of. I don't want you to have to call a tow truck. If you're calling a tow truck, something fell down between point A to point B. You know, it may have been communication. It may have been just a fluke thing that happened. But for the most part, we can prevent a lot of that and keep it down to a minimum. Sure. You think absolutely. that's a fair? No, that's that's perfect, you know, spot on there. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a reflection of your team, and your team's a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you call your team subordinates or, yeah. you know, things like that, just they strike me wrong. They've always struck me wrong when people act like they're your boss. Yeah, I've had bosses my whole <laughs> life, and whenever I finally got the opportunity to become quote the boss, yeah, I did not act like a boss. Mm-hmm. I I stepped into it and I had to meet everybody basically and say, you know, a lot of them I knew already. Yeah, but I, I had to just learn them. And I spent mm-hmm. the first year basically learning my staff yes. and not telling them how to do anything. Yeah, I always tell them. We're all just practicing. Mm-hmm. You know, if doctors and lawyers can do it, why can't we? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's 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 important to know. I kind of compare them to tools. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand what that tool is capable of. Mm-hmm. They're not tools, obviously, but yeah. you know what I mean. It, these are human beings you're working with. They're mm-hmm. not inanimate objects like what's in the back of your truck. They have different, you know, emotions and feelings, and they get mad. What I try to do is ask them if they can do this for me, uh-huh. not tell them what needs to be done. When you get some buy-in from them, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just you. Now it's we, and that's a big, exactly. big difference. But, uh, Miss Sarah, we're down at the bottom of the hour. we got some questions from uh, the listeners, and I think we're going to dive into that after we come back. The Complete Car Care Solution, anyone custom car care. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, special guest, Mr. Oliver. Sarah, what questions you got for us? Man, we had all kinds of questions, good. comments, all that good stuff last week that I'm getting to this week. Excellent. So first things first, someone asked me about which A1 custom car care I took my vehicles to that I was thinking about purchasing. Mm-hmm. So the short answer to that is I took it to the Sunset location. Yep. But the longer, more expanded version is all A1 customs do the pre-purchase mm-hmm. inspection and highly recommend it because it can save you thousands in the long run how many vehicles so we did this for ryan when the old danger ranger kind of tapped out and yep. said hey i'm i'm tired and i'm done for a while how many did we go through for ryan well one of them didn't even make it to the shop so oh yeah that yeah. one was in pieces right didn't, yes. yeah and they didn't the dealer didn't tell you anything about it and you showed up and surprise did it's not Took super off work broken early and everything yeah that's a but shame that's fine uh so i guess we'll consider that one mm-hmm. and then we looked at a very beautiful Toyota. Mm-hmm. And, that was a very beautiful oh, it's so Toyota. pretty, the coloring of it, just mm-hmm. the actual like build of it. And then we got it in 
and the entire frame was rusted at the yep. bottom and we got a price estimate on it and mm-hmm. it was going to be 12 grand yep. to fix and they had it listed for like 19 and they sold that vehicle they did that dealership not to us no but... not to you guys <laughs> thanks to you guys yeah. so that uh, was a beautiful truck yeah. i really when i walked out in the parking lot i thought this is it i mean it just it was that kind of truck and then we got it up on the rack and i'm like nope yeah not this one <laughs> but it was third time for the charm mm-hmm. For Ryan's vehicle, and then I think we looked at just two for me. I believe I know so. there were several that were candidates, mm-hmm. and then they were sold, or you know, it was a hot market yes. at that point in time. Yeah, that was. I told the story of how I went and scheduled an appointment, mm-hmm. and then they sold it out from under me. I told that story, yep. which was fine because I landed the vehicle that yeah. I'm driving now. Yeah, so it, it seems like two or three is the, the lucky number for us, and I'm very happy with my vehicle. Oh, Excellent. I took it for its first oil change. I was there, and yes. there was a little bit of part of that. Jim took care of you over there mm-hmm. at Sunset. Yep, so. and I got a like a green light on everything. Excellent. Yeah, I got one little yellow where it says, hey, we need to monitor our oil mm-hmm. a little closer. But yep. other than that, everything else was fantastic. <clears throat> and that's pretty normal on late model vehicles. I mean, you really got to monitor your mm-hmm. oil consumption. They're all doing it, and that's engineered with the the uh, low tension piston rings is the biggest thing so everybody out there listening if you get a moment today you're on level ground preferably when the vehicle engine is cold i would recommend checking your oil there you go so, very very cool the next comment that we had uh, is for you okay. is from Corey in battlefield he said thank you dustin and your crew for such a great car repair experience Excellent. annie was so accommodating and understanding hesitantly looking forward to my next car repair <laughs> knowing it'll be in good hands even yeah. better than all state haha <laughs> miss annie has done a really good job for us. she runs our sunset location she hadn't been with us a ton of time but she's been an industry person for a long, long time. I've known of her when she was at different facilities. Uh, Dustin, you deal with her quite a bit. Give oh, yeah. me a give me a read on Annie. What do you she's think? She's awesome. Yeah. Yep. She's uh, very you know attentive to any issues that we might have. You know, she's she's a good liaison between uh-huh. the back of the house and the front of the house. She um, she owns that situation. That's, she does. That's one of the biggest things that when I look at people is, hey, you know, can A, I trust you with this situation, and B, will you make it yours? And Annie has stepped up and done that, which has Absolutely. been wonderful. And David's also, you yes. know, he, he's who we, who we started out mm-hmm. with, you know. He was the one co- communicating with me yep. over the phone. I was giving him, you know, some of the things that I was concerned with, with um, before we had this relationship. And he was awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he he said uh, all the right things basically, and I was still hesitant. You know, uh-huh. you, it's like going to get a new barber or something. It's, yes. it's like, are they going to do exactly what it is they say they're going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have proved that you you do, and um, it. I've talked to Harlan many a times. Yeah. He's actually looked at my own vehicle, uh, diagnosed some issues with it. Last time I had an oil change. I've never taken my vehicle anywhere to have yeah. oil change. By the way, um, but it, it was good. It was compliment. worth the money to. Get it up on a rack, mm-hmm. be able to, you know, go through the whole thing with a flashlight and just and just understand what it is. These little s- noises that are, mm-hmm. it's making. And, um, I, you know, and as you know, I've had that entire engine, diesel mm-hmm. engine pulled out of my truck over the last winter. And so it's it's just nice to have somebody else have it on a rack. But, yeah. Um, I guess we're straying off there. But, yeah, David and Annie are awesome. They're awesome people. So, David, you're right. Uh, He's been with us several years. Him and I sat down, I think, Friday, and I'm like, hey, I need your help with these projects. You know, we're uh, doing an expansion at our Fort location, 
uh, just as a company as a whole, you know, everybody wants to grow, quote unquote. I think that's great. But you can only grow, in my opinion, as healthy. uh, You can only have healthy growth as much as your people can keep up with you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not investing in the people and they're not have some buy-in to your point earlier, hey, is this something you can help me out with? Then they take it on. And instead of it just being you with all the burden and the weight on you, it's it's definitely we. And I need that help. So yeah. I'm very blessed for the David and Annie and Harlan and Darren and Jim. And I could go on and on and on, Macy and Jason. And, you know, I, I have an amazing group of folks. And that's the only way this gets done. So. To, to your question earlier, Sarah, or maybe it was last week, is, is what location that I typically work mm-hmm. at. You know, if the biggest part of the work gets done. I'm not the one doing it. I am involved and I'm taking care of everything I can to help my people get that work done. You know, and I don't care whether I'm changing the oil sometimes, I'm sweeping the floor, taking the trash out or putting an engine in. I don't care. It's whatever it takes to get this done. And the lion's share of the work that gets done at A1 Custom is our team. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not me. I would love to tell everybody I could work on your car, but this is much bigger than me at this point. So hopefully that answered the question. I don't even remember what the question was at this point. Yeah, you answered it. Okay. Fair <laughs> <laughs> and finally, last week we were talking about CB radios. Do you remember oh, yeah. this? Mm-hmm. Well, we had a listener that wants to talk about CB radios. Awesome. You're is my it... favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> well, CB radios is good, but with ham radio, uh-huh. you can listen to storm spotters and report weather to Noah. Plus range is farther. Handheld radios are pretty cheap and some of them allow you to listen to FM radio and monitor weather or whatever local repeater you are turned to. So great advice. Do you have a ham radio? I, I think this may be in Mr. Oliver's oh, no okay. idea, yeah. wheelhouse a little bit more than yep. even mine. Yep. I'm an amateur radio operator. Oh, no kidding. General class. And it's uh, it was fun getting into because I got to build my own antennas and nice. play around with that kind of stuff. And but yeah, it's I don't do it as much. But when that radio or when that storm comes in, mm-hmm. I've got the radio in my truck on. If I've got one at my house, I got the handheld. I've got a base station at the house. The CB really interests me because I've got CB radios. Mm-hmm. I just none of them have antennas hooked up or anything like that. But I want to get a mag mount antenna mm-hmm. on my truck and get a get a radio in there too. So. I don't have my ham license. I have just recently, I've always thought it was cool. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that like smoking the bandit was like my thing as a kid. And it still is. I'm still just as passionate about that. And that really kind of got me into the CB, at least curiosity back then. Now, Alan, which is a dear friend of mine, him and I run the operations together. He got into CBs here a little, uh, I guess a few years ago. And so he gave me one. And I forgot how he worded it, but he said CB stands for constantly buying. And I was like, what in the world? Well, I understand now. Uh Because as you upgrade the radio, you got to upgrade the antenna. And as you upgrade the antenna, and so that's been my thing on the CB side of it. I started with a K30, like $36 antenna off Amazon and a very good unit in radio. And I got to, the more I got to learning, the antenna is a big part of that. Like you can have the the best radio ever. And so I went to a striker SR 10, which is a 10 meter, but uh CB radio antenna on my work truck. And I've got one going on my Duramax here probably this next weekend, but that opened up all these people and all this communication that is out there right now mm-hmm. and talking. They're all out there. When I drive through Aurora, there's a whole group of folks that I get to listen and hear from 
in Aurora, Missouri. And when I get into Rogers, Arkansas, and for me, because I travel, I get to know what's coming up before I get there quicker than cell phone, quicker than Google maps. Um, so yes, uh, my aspirations are to go into the ham operator, uh, but for right now, the CB is very, very cool. But with that, we're going to step into the last break, and then we'll wrap this up in a little bow right after this. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, Mr. Oliver. We're having a discussion about fleets Miss Sarah, did we get through all your questions? Or do no, have I have more? a couple more. Good. So uh, the first one is for just kind of a general person who is who has a fleet. Mm-hmm. How do you get a company on a good maintenance schedule? That really comes down to good, clear expectations about what's going on. I think, Dustin, to your point, David was our kind of point person to say, hey, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. You know, you kind of experienced that firsthand. Is that kind of how it, it kind of laid out there? As far as uh, this is what's wrong or this, or basically the interaction there? Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, I was at XYZ previously. They wouldn't take care of this. I need this taken mm-hmm. care of. The biggest thing that I realized with you guys was, hey, you just need it fixed. Maybe yep. this isn't my wheelhouse, but I need to find some way to make this happen for you. So, for instance, we don't do windshield repair, but when you bring me your truck, you don't have time to be calling windshield places. You say, hey, mm-hmm. it's here for brakes and oil change and the windshield's broke. Well, that's not a hard thing for me to figure out. I can, I have relationships with glass companies. They come over, they fix it. You know, we make one billing and then you take care of me from there. Sure. So that, that I guess was the biggest thing or my point is, is figuring out, okay, you know, some maintenance or uh, some fleet managers, they want to be the one, you know, dispatching it out. Hey, so-and-so does my tires. So-and-so does my oil changes. Uh, for you guys, you needed your stuff fixed. Sure. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, and, and I need it back as not as quickly as possible because, you know, I, I don't think things work like that. I You know, whatever it costs and, and then the, the quality is what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. Uh, the, the speed really, you know, I try to keep my stuff maintained in a way that we don't need to set it there for Mm -hmm. three weeks or a month, you know, but unless it's one of those, (laughs) we pulled out of a junkyard vehicles and here, fix this for me. Yeah. A few thousand dollars later and we're back on the road with with, uh, lots of new parts. I really get a big thrill out of that for me personally, where maybe a lot of techs don't or wouldn't. I love saving them from the junkyard. You know, there's, I can fix them. And that's the biggest thing. It, it may take a little bit of a process because once you start driving it, we're going to find some things that we didn't know because it was disabled previously. Um, but that's a big deal. I don't, I probably didn't answer that question at all. Did no, I? it's good because it kind of <laughs> leads into this question that I have. Okay. Do you ever resell your vehicles? Nope. Mm-mm. No. So personally or. In the fleet. Hey, there you go. Well, that was my question there, and it it went well. Sure. Some fleets do. Mm -hmm. Um, There's kind of different mindsets with the fleets. Some of them will keep them and exhaust every resource out of them because they have made that investment already. And then others, you know, get to 150,000, 200,000. Well, they're expensing those off. It really depends a lot on your accounting principles of how you're doing a lot of that stuff. Some of those are expensing them off. But by the time, in my opinion, you put a wrap on one, you put a custom bed or custom boxes or custom equipment in there, to me, I'm going to get every ounce of service out of that vehicle before I have to make that investment again, as well as what I've noticed now, because the shortage of vehicles or new vehicles, 
you people have had to keep their vehicles, not to mention some of the older technology that doesn't have some of the DEF systems or some of the emissions-related systems. Those vehicles are 10 times more dependable and cost less to operate than some of the late model new vehicles if you can buy one. So in, in for me, if I've got a diesel vehicle pre-emissions, I'm keeping that vehicle going for as many years as oh, yeah. possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Not to mention the reliability and most of the failures are of that DEF uh, emissions related system, which, you know, that's our big government putting their hand in what's going on with us. So. Adding all that stuff to it, mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, is probably unnecessary, but I'm sure somebody thinks it's <clears throat> you know, very necessary. Yeah. In hindsight, they'll look back later and think, oh, that was kind of a waste. Well, we were the brunt of all that. We yeah. bought the more expensive vehicle. We had to fix the more expensive problems that go along with it. We had more downtime. You know, it. it not even to get on the EV vehicle side of the world, but the carbon footprint to make the EV vehicles right now is so much more than just a gas engine carbon footprint right now. So that's a whole different, we can talk about that for days. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully that answered that question. It depends on the fleet, I guess, of whether you can resell. It did actually with our own personal fleet here at the station, we are going to get one of our vehicles fixed here shortly. Mm -hmm. And we had kind of debated if we wanted to switch out vehicles because Mm -hmm. we have so many different ones here with all of our different stations. For a while, we thought, well, we were going to switch one out for the KSGF vehicle, mm-hmm. but now we've decided that we are going to fix it because uh, after the wrap and all mm-hmm. of that, it comes out to about the same price as to, to fix. So yeah. we have decided that we we're going to go ahead and fix it, and we're pretty excited about awesome. it. It's going to be like a new vehicle almost. Those wraps, I mean, the things that they can do to dress oh, up a vehicle yeah. are amazing. They really mm-hmm. can do some cool stuff and look really good doing it, but... You're going to spend a few thousand bucks doing that. And we've been doing that with all of our vehicles. I don't know if you've peeked your head Mm -hmm. out there lately, but we actually just got one back for our sister station, Power 96.5. It looks fantastic. You should take a look at it when you uh, head out there. I'm kind of excited. I don't want to say the world's going back to normal, but, you know, you guys kind of got, you know, reined in quite a bit because of the climate of the world the last couple of years. So it's nice to see the station vehicles being used and, some, you know, getting out into things again. And and to a better part of that, I guess, would be you know the vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's true. You have a working history. You, you know, any of the technicians that are working on it knows mm-hmm. that vehicle. They've been watching those ball joints. They've yep. been watching the, the oil drip that isn't really hitting the ground. But, you mm-hmm. know, we're watching those things and um, being conscious and yeah. and you know the vehicle. And you a lot know of what you're getting from the tech side of it. I might not remember your name. But I can tell you the last time I looked at the brakes, when I put a water pump on it, that it needed a belt. We did the belt later. We put a tensioner on it. Like those intimate details about your car, I'll see you in traffic. And I won't have a clue who you are, but I know everything that we've done to that car. And sometimes that's decades old. And, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I can't turn that off, nor do I want to. I've got bolts in my shop uh-huh. from 20 years ago yep. that I remember exactly where they came yep. from. Likewise. It's it's kind of like that weird, you know, why do I remember this? But it's it, ingrained. Every once in a while, you see it pay off so big. And <clears throat> I've talked about that with people that kind of shop hop. Mm-hmm. You never get that intimate knowledge of the car because, oh, who did that work? Who did the? No, I have everything done here. They take care of business. When something goes wrong, and we have things that go wrong, we've had stuff for you that I've had to take a run at two or three times. But I get it taken care of, and I know that at the end of the day, 
you know, hey, this is what took care of it. This is what we did. And so going forward, that information pays dividends because when it comes back down the road, I know that we made this repair. We went this route. This is why we did it. And that learning curve or that, you know, kind of getting to know the car, I know these vehicles. I know them intimately. I've got one of the vehicles, an F-250 that I've got. Um, It just intermittently shuts off. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't even told you guys about it because it's intermittent. It's <laughs> yeah. so intermittent that I don't have the time to let it sit at your mm-hmm. shop. I know you don't want to just go out there every day and drive it for an hour or yeah. drive it for, and it not do it. So I just have my guys watching it, mm-hmm. you know, and when does it do it? What, like what part of the day have you been driving it? You know, all these things that we need to compile a list of stuff so that when it does shut off and don't, doesn't start back up, we can, at least know where to start from. That tremendously helps with the process. The more information, the more critical information, no different of what you just went over, helps us get to the bottom of that stuff. But it's Mm -hmm. a lengthy process. Yeah. It's not just a, and I would love to have that, you know, flashing light that this is the bad part here. And maybe someday we'll get there. I doubt it. You know, mechanical and electrical things are are finicky. But that information and, and the clear expectation that, hey, You know, we will get to it. We're going to have it for this amount of time. But your due diligence on the front side of that to say, hey, this is what happens, happens during this time of day, temperature running, this is how it restarts or doesn't restart, that helps out so, so much. And that's really the best way to go through that. Well, believe it or not, we are out of show Time already. Flies. I know. Dustin, thank you so much yes, for coming very in. Much. It was a lot of fun. You are yeah. allowed to join us again if Please you want. Please do. I hope <laughs> so. Thank you. Well, if you are out there in Radio Land and you have a question or comment for me or Dustin, you can reach us on our text line, 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media. That is at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Be safe. Thanks. Bye. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Because the flag still stands for freedom. And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I From the lakes of Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Where there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say Who 
today Cause there ain't no doubt 